Our scripture for the, for the year, Romans 15, 13. Can we say this together? Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen. I believe God wants to do great things for the body of Christ. I really do. And that's not just Rocky Mountain Family Church. That's the church. But uh, I feel like, you know, the, the Lord wants to get this message across. And that's the message that the world's going to know that we're followers of Jesus. Not by our doctrine. Not by how much you know, not by what you do, but by one thing and one thing alone. And that is our love for one another. Isn't that just a strange saying for uh, the leader of the church to say, there's only one thing that's going to show the world that you're my followers. And he says, it's how you love one another. And so based upon that, uh, it's easy for you and me to get offended. It really is to get offended. Uh, and I know I've been past, I've been, this isn't my first rodeo, as they say. And uh, even though I got cowboy boots, it's not my first rodeo. But uh, at the same time, I know that it seems, and I'm going to just throw a statistic that's very conservative 80% of people who leave a church, not just this church, any church, 80% of them, they've left because they got offended over what somebody said to them, what the pastor said. Some reason they got offended. And I realize there's uh, times that God leads people away from a church. I believe that. I know some pastors do not. I mean, if you start a church, you should die there. I do not believe that. I don't. I believe God leads people. Having said that, though, I believe the majority of people leave a church wrongly because of offense. And uh, the Lord is just kind of like branding this scripture in my heart for the last few months. And that's 1 Corinthians 13.5. The amplified version of that second part uh, where it says it takes no account. It takes no account. It's probably the second page. It takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It takes no account of an evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. First... First, this is how God looks at you and me. Did you know God does never, God never gets offended over you? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Is that, I mean, that's, that's worth coming to church just to hear that, man. You want to go home now? Let's take up the offering. Let's go. But anyway, we could beat the Baptist for sure today. But anyway, my point is this, is that Jesus feels that way towards you and me. He takes no account of an evil done to him. And he pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That's your heavenly father. That's Jesus. But the good news is this. That same kind of love dwells inside you and me. So you and I have the ability to never get offended. I just lost three-fourths of you. I said we have the ability to never get offended. You and I have the ability to never take an account of an evil done to us. We have the ability to pay no attention when somebody does us wrong. 
And there's, what's the good news about that? When you embrace that and it becomes revelation to you in that, man, when somebody cuts you off, when somebody's rude at the restaurant, when somebody's rude in your life, you just go, oh, well, doesn't affect me. We uh, went camping a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'm pulling about a 10,000-pound trailer, you know, and I've talked to, to Dan about this in an a F-150, which it's way too much weight for my, my truck. And so uh, it'll pull it, but he brought something great to my attention, and that is, can it stop it? Which is way more important than can it pull it. Well, anyway, I'm going down. I'm clipping pretty good. And uh, all of a sudden, a guy just, first of all, it's a school bus that pulls out in front of me. And he's going the opposite way. I go, man, that was cutting close. And right after him, a pickup truck pulled out in front of him. I pulled out right behind him in front of me. And man, I mean, I hit the brakes. I'm on my horn. And he waves at me. And it wasn't a friendly wave. It was only one finger that he was waving. But anyway, I just thought, I looked at him and I go, he pulls out in front of me, scares me, my heart jumps out of my face, and I'm at wrong here. I'm at wrong here. Ooja baba, ooja baba. So it took me about a minute or two. Finally, I grabbed Melody's hand and I say, let's pray for that guy. Let's just pray for him. He obviously needs prayer today. That was his prayer request. And I, so I've been trying to get into the habit when somebody is, does something stupid to me or offensive to me. I'm really trying to get in the habit. I'm not totally successful. Melly goes, I'm so proud of you. It only took you a couple of minutes to, instead of a couple of hours. But anyway, I, I, took, I said, let's pray for that guy. He obviously had prayer requests on his middle finger, but he needed prayer. And so uh, this is the thing. If you and I can get a hold of the revelation of how much God loves us, that we, we can get to a point that we, we never take an offense. You'll be happier. You will be. Man, I was happy after I prayed for him. You know, normally I would have just been that. And I would have told ten people too. You would not believe what this idiot did, man. I'll tell you what. And you tell somebody. And then what happens when you tell him? Your blood pressure and your heart goes up like you're reliving it every time. But this time, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So listen, I believe if we're going to have relationships that are taken to another level, I believe this is what God spoke to me. He says, I want to take the church to a higher level, but it's dependent upon how much revelation they receive as far as how much love is in them that's how much love is in you and me to never never take an account of an evil done to you never mm. first of all most people don't even think that's possible uh, it is not only is it possible but in Romans chapter 8, it says this. It says that the whole world, creation, it says creation, is waiting on people, the sons of men, to be displayed. Did you know creation is waiting on that? Creation knows that we have been created in the very image of God. Created in the image of God. Being created in the image of God means this. You're not God, but when I look into a mirror, 
I see, it's not Mike Davis, but it's an image of Mike Davis. Do you realize this? When God, when people of the world look at you, they should be seeing an image of God. Wow. That's powerful. That is so powerful that when people look at you, they should be seeing an image of God. We're created in the very image of God. Man, that's a revelation that just makes your head go tilt. But listen to me. If we're going to have greater marriages, greater families, greater relationships between friends, a greater church, then we need to realize of what is in us. And that's the love of God that has the ability to never get offended. Trust me. You could get offended before I finish my message. I could say something. I've inserted both feet before in my mouth. It's kind of hard to do, but I've done it. You can get offended over the way one of the ushers or somebody did something or to you. It, it is highly probable that you can that will happen. So how do we go about that? We realize of what's been placed inside of us. It's called the love of God. And God said this. He says, if once you have a revelation of that, you're going to have a, a, a love for one another that you don't have to work at. You don't have to work at it. It's just a natural thing. And when that happens, you take that natural ability that is in you. And then when you go to the workplace, you go to the grocery store, it's going to be evident. Your light's going to shine. Your light's going to shine without shoving the gospel down somebody's throat. It's just going to shine in a loving way that people will be drawn to you. Amen? And this is going to cause the church to be strong. And listen. The way the world and things that are happening today, man, it's time for the church. We have to be strong for the world. The church has to be strong for the world. It's a crazy time that we live in. Who would have thought that in my generation, which is a young one, by the way, in my generation, that we would be seeing some of the things that we're seeing today? It's crazy. So what's the, what's the solution to that? It's the church to shine bright and be strong and come together like we've never come before. And God knew that. In Hebrews 10.25, listen to this. Hebrews 10.25 says this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Jesus is going to come back soon. We've been hearing that for 2,000 years. But you can just, I, I, I know that he's going to be coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom on this planet and he's going to be the best leader that the world has ever seen. He's going to be the leader of all leaders. But having said that, he said, into the meantime, there's going to be wars, there's going to be all hell's going to be breaking loose. But he says, when you get together, you're going to be encouraged. There's something that happens that I have never, ever heard any minister or anybody say the revelation that happens when we all meet together. But I know something happens that we don't understand. It's like your body comes together and it just, everything is clicking. The immunity system's good. The nervous system's good. And it just, ooh, it's ready to move. When we come together, every part 
whatever part that you may be. You're a part of the body of Christ. No matter what you do, no matter what, you are part of the body of Christ. And when you come together, when we all come together, something happens that I just know we don't totally understand. There's deposits that are made in you. There's deposits that are made in me. And there is connections in our heart that we just... You know, it's kind of like what they say about men, that all of your synapses in your brain don't connect until you're in your mid-twenties. Me, it was closer to 30, but I could tell. But I mean, and that's because when you jump off cliffs and do stupid things, everything's not connected. So, but you just know things get connected in your brain. And what happens when those things get connected? Hopefully you're at more mature, you're more intellectual, you're just a smarter human being and just you're, you, you, you're able to help people out better because of things being connected, you thinking right. I believe when we come together as a church, there's connections being made that we don't totally understand. Praying for people. Just like we said, you know, I felt like the Lord wanted us to pray for Sue Lures. Are you praying for Sue Lures? If you weren't here last week, you may put it in your phone. You can pull out your phone right now. Do what you need to do, you know. Or you're, if you're Melody, you have a day timer. You can get the stone out and chisel. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. To pray for Sue Lures, all right? All right. You say, well, what has this got to do with uh, all about healing? A whole lot. The more that you realize what's inside of you, just like worship, just like worship. I felt like the Lord, too. When he, I, I put some notes here about when I was in prayer. He said, you need to encourage the people to worship. We need to be worshipers. And I know men, I know I'm going to talk to the men for just 30 seconds here. Men, you know, and I know, you know, he's just like, well, you know, that's just not me. I, I don't, I, I just not me. I don't do that. Well, I'm going to tell you, it is you. You just need your mind renewed to know that it is you. Because there's a reason it needs to be you. David was the greatest leader outside of Jesus, the greatest king that Israel ever had. And I believe the Lord gave me insight this week on why that was. God said this about David. I mean, in the New Testament, do you realize he didn't bring up any of his sin? You know, most people, and today, especially with our media, I mean, if there's any skeleton in your closet, it will be told and brought out and shined on in 14,000 news networks. It will be brought out, you know. Dear Lord. But God didn't. David, I mean, he didn't just have an affair. He, he had the guy murdered the, uh, that was her husband. I mean, that's just taken. Woo. Man. And this is what God said about David. He told everybody, he's a man after my own heart. He is a man after my own heart. You should study David sometime in the Old Testament, what he did. And I'm gonna, I can bring it down and tell you in just one sentence what he did. He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. 
And the reason why it's important, even when you say, I thought you were going to talk about healing, there's a connection between healing and worship. You know why? When you worship, it causes God to be more real. And if you know that God is more real, you'll find out that not only he's a savior, that he's forgiven you of your sin, but he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. You have a greater revelation that he's the healer, that he paid the price for you. A man after God's own heart. You remember the story of, of David when he was anointed king, but he wasn't king, and Saul was still king, and Saul was trying to kill him. So David was on the run. So he hid in this cave, the cave of Adullam. I would have picked a better cave name. But anyway, it was the cave of Adullam. I mean, Adullam. You didn't get it. But anyway, it was the cave of Adullam, and then 400 people were just drawn to David. 400 people. And the Bible is very specific of what those people were that were drawn to him. They were in debt, distressed, and discouraged. Oh, what a lovely fellowship that was. I mean, they were just negative as all get out. Oh, another morning. Oh, yeah. It's just really crappy. It's just really. I mean, you, nobody's talking positive. 400 people talking that way. And David's in there. And he's leading them. What we find out, though, out of that 400, out of that 400, and if you read Psalms 142, David was talking to God like, dear Lord. I mean, Psalms 142 talks about his experience in the cave, but toward the end, he talks about praising God and looking to God. And this is how I know things happened. Out of that 430 of them became David's mighty men. The ones that fought and stood against whole armies. One dude protecting a bean patch because the enemy was coming to take it. Everybody ran, and one of them goes, Not today. These are my beans. And you ain't taking none of them. I thought that gene went down to Ralph Hagemeyer somehow, you know. He, he's he's kind of like that. This is my fence. You ain't stealing my fence. Let them have it, Dad. It's okay. We can get more fence. Nope, we're, they're not getting it. And that's just the way this guy was. He came from the cave of Adullam. What caused those guys to be transformed to in debt? Distress and discourage, suicidal. What caused that to happen? David, in Psalms 34, 1 through 3, he said this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It's pretty simple. He started magnifying God. I mean, here they are. First of all, you're in a cave. You, you don't even have a decent home. <laughs> you understand? They don't even have a tent. They're in a cave. And yet David's magnifying God. There's so many times we can feel sorry for ourselves and look at what we don't have. What we don't have. But what we need to realize is what we do have that's been deposited on the inside of us. What you do have. 
It's easy to keep focus on what you don't have out here. But if you do that, you will miss the manifestation of what God wants to do because of what he's deposited in here. And David realized that. So he just started magnifying God, raising his hands and singing about God and magnifying him. He's the Lord that healeth. He's the Lord that delivers me. Hundreds and thousands can come against me, but I will be delivered because I am God's beloved. Man, those distressed people started hearing that and they go, yeah, what he said. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get, guys, get, stand up. Let's go. Yeah, say it again, David, say it again. I'm just telling you, we have the ability. And if you want to be set free, become a worshiper. God has already set you free. When you become a worshiper, you realize what he set you free from. And whatever you worship, that's what you become. Whatever you are just drawn to and sucked into, that's what you become. That's why it's good just to be sucked into what God... You've already been deposited that. But I found out the more I worship him, the more that I worship him, the more I'm drawn to what he's... And have a revelation of what he's done for me. He has healed me. Pain and sickness and disease can't stay on this body because of what he's done. And when you start getting, you know, a lot of people, we, we got the cart before the horse. We thought if we worship, we get into the presence of God and we know, you know, then he can heal us. This is the way I see it. I see when you start worshiping God, you know his presence is on the inside. And when you start worshiping him, it starts manifesting on the outside. And you realize, I am the healed of the Lord, what he's done for me. Woo! Hallelujah. But there's a connection with worship and healing. It just makes it easier. It just makes it easier to receive. And it's the same with healing and sin. I think that's why the devil has really played the, the sin conscious card for hundreds of years for the church to make us sin conscious so we you know we're just sinners saved by grace. We just struggle with sin and it's just sin, sin, sin. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 through 8. It says, Just then some people brought a paraplegic man to him, lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus perceived the strong faith within their hearts, he said to the paralyzed man, My son, be encouraged, for your sins have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but this is just Mike. If I'm paralyzed on a mat, that's really not one of the things I want Jesus to say to me, you know. Hey, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And that's going to help me how? I'm really here because I want to walk. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm th- aren't you thankful that your sins are forgiven? Holy cow, yes. All of your sins are forgiven. Your past, your present, your f- all of your sins have been forgiven. Don't get me wrong. That's vitally important. But to say that to a guy who's paralyzed, I mean, that's just not going to turn his crank. I could be wrong. Maybe you're different. You go, whoo, yeah, hey. I would have probably go, that's nice, but I'm really wanting to walk. Listen to the connection. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, these words prompted some of the religious scholars who were present to think, why? That's nothing but blasphemy. Verse 4. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts, and he said to them, why do you carry such evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? A few months or years ago, I don't know when it was, that's when the Lord really gave me the revelation 
healing is just as easy as having your sins forgiven. Because I was just meditating upon, and I was talking to God, so to speak, kind of like whining to God. You know, why is it so difficult to receive healing? Why? It just seems like, you know, it's difficult. And the Lord says, that's because that's the way you think. Healing is just as easy as having your sins to be forgiven. And he says, Mike, how easy is it to have your sins forgiven? I say, well, that is just a piece of cake. You just know what Jesus has done. The blood of Jesus covers it and removes all of my sin. And it's a done deal. You just believe in that. He said, it's just that easy to receive healing. It's the same. And he showed me this in that scripture that I just read to you. And then he says, but now, to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to you, this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. Immediately, the man sprang up to his feet, and he left for home. Verse 8, when the crowds witnessed the miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God. What were they doing? Here we go. We're stepping into worship. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to, to God. He'd given such authority to human beings. That would be you and me. Unless you're not that. Sometimes it's possible to think that there are people that aren't. But that we're all human beings and we've been given that authority. We've been given that power to do just what Jesus did and cause people to rise up and walk. But there is a connection of knowing that your sins are forgiven and receiving healing. So if we're constantly sin conscious, even though Jesus has paid the price for you and me to walk in healing, if we're constantly sin conscious, it's going to hinder that and be buried on the inside of us that the power to be healed is inside of you. Because if you're sin conscious or you feel guilty or shameful, there's just something about us that think we're not worthy of that. And you are worthy of that because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what you have done or will do. You know, because you, have you ever heard people do that? Oh, my grandmother died of such and such. She died of cancer. She died of this. And, and I just don't understand. We were praying. She was praying. She's the best Christian I know. I mean, she went to the prayer meeting. She did that. And there's a list a mile long of what she did. And, you know, if anybody deserved to be healed, it was her. And that's the problem. I said, that's the problem. When you work and, and try to work your way to receive healing, if you're working to be better and you think, I, now I've arrived and I deserve it, you're in the wrong ball camp. It's called being self-righteous. Ow! Your righteousness now causes you deserve to be healed I don't think so does your self-righteousness can you ever get good enough to get saved and, and and just be a child of God don't think so it's the same with healing it's the same with prosperity it's the same with anything you can't get good enough and then once you do good enough now I'm a candidate to receive you miss it every time no you come to God and go, wow, man, God, I'm glad that you saved me. By grace, I have been saved. By what? By God's grace, which means I didn't work for it, couldn't work for it. No amount of work could get it. It was because of his gift, his grace. 
It's the same with being saved. It's the same with being healed. It's the same with prospering. It's the same with the joy and the fruit of the Spirit. It's all one package called salvation, and we didn't work for it. It was a gift given to us, and it's not because we were so good that we deserve it. Hallelujah. Psalms 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And then listen to this. Here it goes again. It's tying these two together. He forgives all of my sins. And he does what? He heals all my diseases. He forgives all of my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. All of that was a package deal because he was... Forgiven. That's old covenant, by the way. David, I believe he had a revelation of Jesus, and that's why he was righteous. He had a revelation of the Savior. I'm sure he didn't totally understand it. There was many Old Testament prophets and kings and people in the Old Covenant that didn't understand totally about the Messiah, but they had some kind of revelation of the coming Messiah, and they believed that, and the Bible says God called them righteous. And because they knew of the coming king, Jesus, to forgive them of all of their sins, now they attach that because I'm forgiven, I have the ability for all of my sickness and disease to be healed. All of them. Man, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Faith in God. Faith in what he's done. That's why I worship him more and more and more. I just keep getting a bigger revelation. Wow, God. I just keep getting a bigger revelation of who you are. What an awesome father. What an awesome father. There's no father on this planet. You can have the best father. You can have an awesome father. But man, when it comes to the father of all fathers, we have him. So I'm thankful that he is the most awesome father. He leads me and guides me in all truth. He shows me things to come. He helps me every day of my life. Second Timothy. Faith in what Jesus has done now. Not faith in what you have done or will be doing. Faith in what he's done. 2 Timothy 2.13. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left. Listen, this is a lot of people. And you hear people say this. I just feel like I don't have any faith. You know what I, want, I say to them? You're qualified. Qualified for what? For God to help you now. Woo! He says, even when you are too weak to have any faith left. He remains faithful to us. Wow, that is such good news. Even when we are not faithful, Jesus says, that's okay, I'm still going to be faithful to you. I'm still going to be faithful to us, and he will help us. When you don't deserve it, when you think that, man, I just don't need that. God says, I'm still going to help you. I'm still going to help you. He says, I will help you. For he cannot disown us who are part of himself. Wow. God cannot disown you. He will always carry out his promises to us. You just have to believe in what he has done for you. You need to believe in that scripture. You need to believe that. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
the word. Just get, start getting a hold of the word. Get tenacious about the word of God. You know, get, get that uh, scripture, Psalms 103. He's forgiven me of all of my sins. He's healed all of my diseases. He's healed them all. Every single one. I don't care if it's diabetes, heart pressure, whatever it is. You just get a hold of that and you just get tenacious with it. Uh, Melody, I think she, I don't know if she was, I, I never did see it. She was writing an email or sending out a letter about uh, something about when I was in Africa. I broke my foot. Y'all remember that story? I was on a, they call it a peaky peaky. It's a motorcycle. And, but in Swahili, they call it peaky peaky. And so uh, I was riding it like Evil Knievel, you know, because there was not a lot of entertainment. Okay, there was zero entertainment. No television, no nothing. No, I mean, just no entertainment at all. And so you make your own entertainment. And I did. Dad got a, uh, a trail bike. Um, so I was riding. Oh, man, you talk about fun. I had, you know, the more you ride it, though, the more you get just a little bit more stupid with it. So I was doing that, you know, and so I was doing Mach 1, went up this hill, and then, and then the road made a 90-degree turn. I did not make the turn. So I flew, went over this little ditch canyon and broke my foot. The motorcycle, I went flying off the bike, and the bike just crushed that right foot up against the embankment. And uh, so I broke it, and um, make a long story short, I had to believe God. And, but this is the thing, I believe, and I got totally healed on that I mean totally healed but listen to me this is the tenacious part I've never I don't even think of it I don't know if I told Melody or anybody this since that time there's been probably at least five or six maybe even more I, I don't keep track but there's been time that I would just be walking and that foot would just hurt like the dickens like it did when I broke it and my mind would go you never had surgery, that foot's not healed. Out of the blue. I mean, I'm walk on it. I was walking on it for years, and all of a sudden that foot would just start hurting. I mean, to where I would limp to my chair and go, man. I mean, I wasn't doing anything. And so I would speak to that thing. I would speak to that foot. You were healed? I said, you know, back in Africa. But in reality, you were healed 2,000 years ago. You were healed 2,000 years ago. All of my sins are forgiven and all of the blessings of God, the healing power of God is residing in that foot. You cannot be broken like that. You must, and I resist it in Jesus' name. That just didn't happen one time. Man, the devil, he, he can be... It's happened at least five or six times. I'm just minding my own business and all of a sudden, boom! This is the thing that I know. If I would have gave in to that, I know without a shadow of a doubt I'd end up in the hospital and cut my foot off or something. You just got to get mm, Kentucky mad. You got to get Kentucky mad and say, no, I'm not giving up my healing. I am not giving up my healing. I refuse. I refuse. I'm going to back that up and say, listen to me now. If you go to the hospital and you have surgery, don't go, oh, Pastor Mike, I went to the hospital. I had surgery. I'm so sorry. I will slap you upside the head. 
And the reason is because that, you're falling into the trap of the devil. You know what? The bottom line is, did you get healed? Yes. Praise God. God's happy that you're healed. I'm happy that you're healed. And you should be too. Don't, let, don't ever let anything cause you to be shameful, guilty, or condemned. Nothing. And especially if you're trying to get your body better. Are you kidding me? Get real. But my point is, I'm trying to teach you this as well. I'm trying to teach you that there is the ability of the healing power inside of you to be manifested on the outside of you. And just because it's in you doesn't mean that it's just going to be, oh, yeah, you got it. No, the devil's going to say, I'm going to just rip you. I'm going to see. And I said, hmm, this is what you got to do. When the dust settles, I'm still going to be walking. When the dust settles, I'm going to win. I may have to fight this thing out. And, and, and This is the good thing is we fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight is this. You know, the good fight is knowing that it's already been won for you. When I was growing up as a kid, I, I, I was never in one of those fights. I was on the other end. I always got beat up, you know, because my mouth got my 110-pound body in trouble. But... Uh, the good fight is that you know you're going to win no matter what. That's a good fight. And that's the fight you and I will always be involved in. It's a fight that it's already been won. Hallelujah. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb what Jesus has done. In Revelation 12, 11, we overcome by knowing what Jesus has done for you. And our testimony is that we agree with what he did for us. We draw near to him by worship. We draw near to what he has done for us and to us by worship. So I encourage you. I encourage you. Be a worshiper. Be, go home and just get off by yourself. Turn some worship music on and just start thanking God. You know, magnifying God means you're making something bigger. You say, how can you make God bigger? Well, you're not literally, but you're making him bigger to you. You can make healing. What happens when you magnify God? It makes healing bigger. Makes your sins being forgiven bigger. It makes prosperity bigger. It makes him, uh, all of your needs being met bigger. It makes that you are special to God bigger. You're somebody who loves God and all of that. Insecurities will just start draining outside of you. They'll just start falling off by worshiping God. Why? He just has that sense about him. When you get in his presence, man, I'm telling you, it causes a prostitute to feel special. It causes a cheating tax collector to feel loved. Just because of his presence. And that's why we get busy. That's why the devil doesn't want us. That There's so many things that are drawing us to and fro. Listen to me. I know the, the election and what's going on on the planet is vitally important. But I tell you what. This is just me. I am not going to let it steal one minute of my time of peace with God. I don't care. I do not care. 
Nothing's going to rob me of my peace. No election. I think this is vitally, don't get me wrong. On the other side, this is probably one of the most important elections in my history. But when the dust settles coming the end of November or whenever they find out who's the president, I'm going to rise up and say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. My life is victorious. I'm still more than a conqueror. I'm blessed coming and going. No matter what happens, I am victorious because of him, and nobody can take that away from me. Nobody. <laughs> so I don't lose any sleep while I hear, you know, I mean, you can read something, you go, dear Jesus, help us all. But let's be the strong church. We can be strong during this time of election. We can be strong in this time of pandemic. We can be strong when all hell breaks loose. We're, we're the only ones with a smile on our face and a spring in our step. Zippity doo da, zippity day. Melly says, I've been singing a lot more lately. I think it's just because I'm happy all the time. I'm happy. I'm the least mu- musically inclined in my family, and I sing the most. So something's got to be over there. And that's why most of them are like this all the time. But anyway, let's stand. Praise God. Being a worshiper will cause healing to be more real to you. Being a worshiper will cause you just to be in touch with what Jesus has done for you. And if you're not being a worshiper, you know, it just makes you a little bit uncomfortable at first. You remember that first time? I remember growing up in church and we never raised our hands. I mean, unless somebody came in to rob the church or something. But I mean, we never raised our hands. And so in the first service I remember, I was 18 years old. Uh, I was in the Air Force, came home with leave, and my brother-in-law says, I'm going to take you to a different church. Man, was it different. You walk in there, man, the, first of all, there was drums and instruments and everything. We just had a piano and an organ. And man, everybody just started raising their hands, and I just went bug-eyed, you know, like, what in the world? Raising your hands? What, what, what are they doing raising their hands for? Why are they raising their hands for? They're just worshiping God. What, 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 what does that mean? What do you, I didn't know squat. I was raised in church all my life. But then about halfway through the worship service, man, something happened to me. Let me tell you something. You can work on yourself to try to change you. Boy, how's that working out for you? Man, you can just get in the manifested presence of God and worship Him and focus on Him. And when it's done, it's over with, you're changed. Man, that's a lot better. That's a lot better. So if you're, if you, it, it may be awkward for you to raise your hands, to shout into God with a voice of triumph. When you get down and depressed, it may be hard for you to say, Woo, man. Lost my job. I lost this. This happened. This was taken. And all the, I mean, just one report bad after another. That's just what David did. His own men wanted to kill him one time. His own men wanted to kill him. And this is what he said. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. You can't say that without knowing, not being a worshiper. Listen, we're all going to face times like that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to face times where you're going to face something bigger than you. All of us will face something bigger than us. 
But we can be like David. When we come up against that, we can be like David and say, Why? No, I'm not going to get downcast, oh my soul. I'm going to put my trust in God. Matter of fact, I'm going to shout to God with a voice of triumph. I'm going to spit in the devil's eye and say, You just took your best shot and look what that got you. It just got me to raise my hands and worship and praise God and say, I am victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm always going to come out on the right side. You know, when the devil hears that, he goes, Shucks, shoot, or any other four-letter word you want to pick. He's like, it's just going, he's going to go, man, I'm just telling you. Let's be a church like that. Let's be a people like that. Let's be a people that are victorious. Let's be a people that have a spring in our step, a shout in our voice. And let's be a people who love one another more than anything. Let's be a people who love one another. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for this message, God, that it will burn in our hearts, that it will cause us to be knit together, not only to one another, but, Father, that we'll have a revelation of being knit with you, of a revelation of being knit with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Everybody's crying out, we want to see your glory. Father, all of that is, is the goodness that has been deposited inside of us to be manifested on the outside. It, the glory is the goodness of God that has been placed inside to be manifested on the outside. You're waiting on us for that to happen. As a church, let's believe it. As a church, let's believe and worship and, and praise God and be a people of worshipers. Be a house of worship. Everywhere we go, we are the house of worship. And the goodness of God being on display wherever we go. I pray that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. On my left, you're right. These people will pray for you. If you need any kind of prayer, you come up here and pray. All right? Don't leave here with anything. You come up here and pray. All right? Listen. Get a hold of this message. Are you hearing me? Get a hold of this. It'll help you in Jesus' name. My Father generously provides all that I need. He is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or think, according to the power that is in me. He surrounds me with favor and inspires me to be a blessing. I am blessed. Amen? All right. They'll put on the screen of how you can give. There's also on. The buckets are back there if you want to drop your offering in the bucket. God bless you. Wednesday, we pray. Tuesday at 7 o'clock on the church Facebook page. I do this every Tuesday at 7 o'clock. It's the church Facebook page. I do communion. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, but I'm, the Lord's just been really inspiring me. It's just 10 minutes, man. It's a little golden nugget about communion. Uh, every Tuesday, we do that at 7 o'clock. I usually start at 7.01. To give people one minute grace. 701 every Tuesday. Amen. God bless you.